Welcome to Disrupting Japan. Straight talk from Japan's most successful entrepreneurs. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for joining me. I'm recording this episode for release on April 28, 2020. Now, I usually try to make all of my Disrupting Japan content evergreen. Most of the insights you hear on Disrupting Japan about starting companies in Japan or building a customer base, market testing, or, or doing business here will probably be just as valid in 10 years as the day it was recorded. And in some ways, this episode is no exception. The common wisdom that Japanese and Japanese founders in particular are too risk averse. And have too great a fear of failure? Well, today we're going to turn that view on its head. I'm going to explain that, in, in truth, Japanese founders don't fear failure enough. And that's hurting startups here. You know, actually, maybe I'm being too pessimistic. Maybe 10 years from now, You and I will listen back on this episode and laugh at how things used to be, and, and smile when we think of how much has improved. Well, maybe. But before we start talking about why Japanese founders need to fear failure more, I want to say something about the coronavirus situation, at, at least as it stands in late April 2020. The world might have changed a lot since then. Tokyo is currently on official, but actually unofficial lockdown. There are clusters of idiots in the parks, but most people seem to be taking things seriously. If you go outside, the police won't arrest you, but they might ask you where you're going and ask you to consider if you really need to be outside. There, there's no real punishment or anything, but they make you feel kind of guilty, and that seems to be enough to keep most people indoors. The operation of Disrupting Japan Studios remains largely unaffected by the shutdown, but that's mostly because Disrupting Japan Studios broadcasts from inside my wife's walk in closet. The, the acoustics are great in here, but it, it gets a bit cramped. So, for the past six weeks or so, I've been staying in the house with my wife, Ami, and my dog, Mark. And you know, Mark the dog has taught me perhaps the most important lesson about how to deal with the corona crisis and the lockdown. Mark the dog, I mean, he doesn't really have any idea what's going on. All he knows is that my wife and I are home all the time, and he's never alone. There's always someone to lean up against. Or play with, or give him some attention. Mark the dog doesn't worry about what might happen tomorrow, and I don't think he really remembers what happened yesterday. But right now, at this particular moment, he knows he's with the people he loves, and who care about him. And for right now, that's pretty awesome. And believe me, Mark the dog is the happiest, most contented creature you could possibly imagine right now. So, day by day, right? At this particular moment, I hope you're okay and with people you love. Anyway, let's put Mark the dog out of the studio. 
we're going to talk about why Japanese founders need to fear failure more. You'll often hear that Japanese founders and Japanese society in general are overly afraid of failure. And in some ways, that that is true. Attitudes have shifted for the better over the past few decades. But most kinds of failure here in Japan do carry a certain stigma. From not getting into the right university, to not getting your first promotion, to, to failing at your first startup. Far too often, failure is viewed as a kind of permanent condition, to be avoided at all costs. My, my very first job in Japan, and, and this was a long time ago, was at Fujitsu. And the section chief, Tanaguchi Bucho, explained promotions and failure in corporate Japan to me this way. In both America and Japan, promotions are based on the point system. Whoever has the most points gets promoted. The big difference, however, is that in America, you start at zero, and points are awarded for your successes. But in Japan, you start at zero, and points are subtracted for your failures. In Japan, zero is the highest possible score. So, in America, you succeed by succeeding, but in Japan, you succeed by not failing. Now, th this caused me endless frustration early in my career. Like most startup founders, I'm an optimistic, proactive, get-things-done kind of person. But there I was, sitting in meeting after meeting, where everyone in the room would take turns eagerly, confidently pointing out the risks and potential problems with the plan, but no one offering a single constructive suggestion. I eventually figured out that this was simply how management worked in Japan. It is the junior staffer's job to do the research and come up with the plans, and management's job to de-risk those plans and to approve them. Unless a manager is among colleagues he really trusts, it would be foolish for him to suggest a new, innovative solution in an open meeting. It's not his job and he'd be opening himself up to blame if things failed. Pointing out problems, on the other hand, is seen as helping prevent failure. It's a sign of competence and teamwork. When constructive feedback is given, it's done in private, verbally and off the record, with the manager safely insulated from any potential failure of the idea. As you can imagine, this simply doesn't work at startups. And Japanese startups are emphatically not run like that. But that aversion to failure is still a big part of the overall business culture here in Japan. There is, however, one important exception to this rule. There is one kind of failure that is actually respected in Japan... There's one kind of failure that is, in some ways, admired almost as much as success itself. And that is the glorious failure. The glorious failure is where every member of the team gives every fiber of their being, working together against impossible odds. 
this is the failure of the hopelessly outmatched sports team that gives everything they have. This is the sales team working 14-hour days, trying to close 80% of this quarter's quota in the last two weeks. This is the 300 Spartans at Thermopylae. And if deep down, the team knows that success is impossible, but, but that truth is never spoken, well, that makes the failure even more noble, more glorious. Glorious failures are respected, e- even adored in Japan. I mean, sure, someone will have to take the blame and suffer the social consequences for the failure, but, but in general, if you're one of the team members giving your all, you have very little to fear from a glorious failure. And that is a problem. The option of the glorious failure is hurting Japanese startups. Because being part of a glorious failure means never questioning your teammates or their decisions. It means doing more, trying harder, regardless of the odds. And while that attitude is indeed admirable in an underdog sports team or a, an outnumbered band of Spartans, those are times where you can't change the rules. Those are times when convention or contract or, or fate has dictated that you must walk onto that field today. And startups just aren't like that. At a startup when the odds are hopelessly against you, you you don't double down. You figure out how to change the rules. You do something new. You change your approach. You change your messaging. Maybe, Maybe you pivot the whole company to a new product and set off in an entirely different direction. But before you do that, before you can even consider doing that, you need to accept that what you're doing now isn't working, that your current strategy is a failure, and and not a glorious failure either, but a simple, ordinary failure. And that, that's hard. Over the last seven years or so, Japanese startup founders as a whole have moved from being beginners to world-class operators, from ideation to pitching to productization to marketing Japanese startup founders are some of the best in the world. But the pivot? Ah, that's still hard. Japanese startups are still too often avoiding the pivot and opting for the glorious failure. I mean, it, it's definitely getting better. And we'll, we'll talk about some possible solutions in a bit. But I've seen this dynamic play out at a number of startups. including some I've been pretty close to. When times are hard, the instinct is to pull together and to work harder. For a member of the team, even the founder, especially the founder, to stand up and say, we need to put aside our plans, our pride, and our priorities and try something new. Well, that very often feels like a dismissal Uh, even a betrayal of all the hard work that everyone has done so far. And after all, if the founder admits that his plans have failed, why should the team trust him now? No. It's usually much easier to insist that we have the right plan, 
and we just need to work harder. It takes a particularly skilled founder to pull off a pivot in Japan. But it does happen. Pre-revenue and before promises have been made to customers, Japanese startups find it easier to pivot. In fact, startups are releasing products earlier, getting feedback faster, and adapting to feedback more flexibly than they have in the past. Early on, there's more and more experimentation around product market fit. The real danger, however, seems to be when a strategy that has been working well suddenly stops working. When strong sales growth stops or even begins to drop. This is a difficult time for any startup. It requires the team to take a hard and honest look at all of the assumptions they've made up to this point. Unfortunately, at this point, a kind of tunnel vision often takes hold, and the focus becomes doubling down on what had once worked. New projects and new ideas get pushed back to phase two, and all resources are poured into doing the same thing, but harder and with longer hours. I've never once seen a startup pull out of this. If you have, drop me an email. I'd love to have some counterexamples. But every time I've seen a startup start doubling down like this, it has ended in a glorious failure. And it really shouldn't be this way. Sure, the new ideas being suggested may not save your startup. But doubling down has a 100% failure rate. It's an objectively bad decision. And we need to start viewing glorious failures as being every bit as bad, or, or maybe even worse, than ordinary failures. So, how do we fix this? I normally don't finish a script until I have some solid and concrete solutions to offer. But the coronavirus has forced my hand, and this is a particularly difficult problem. Allocating a certain percentage of budget early on to experimental marketing and development efforts can help, but those commitments are often tossed out as soon as the tunnel vision sets in and the march to the glorious failure begins. This is a problem that can only be solved by example, by role models. As more and more Japanese founders pivot successfully, the more successful case studies will have and the glorious failure will start to be seen for what it really is. A missed opportunity and a simple failure of leadership. And, and hey, being afraid of failure is fine. The whole Silicon Valley fail fast, fail forward nonsense is, is really a bunch of macho bullshit. Failure hurts. It's supposed to hurt. If failure doesn't hurt, then, then your heart really wasn't in it. There's no need to celebrate failure, only to learn from it. And the founders who succeed are not the ones who are unafraid of failure, but those who acknowledge the fear and who do it anyway. If you'd like to talk more about glorious failures, or if you've got an example of a Japanese startup that turned itself around by doubling down, I'd love to hear from you. And hey, 
If you've got a topic you'd like me to cover during Tokyo's official, unofficial lockdown, let me know. So come by disruptingjapan.com slash show163 and let's talk about it. And hey, if you get the chance, please give us an honest review on iTunes or Stitcher or your podcast platform of choice. It's really a great way to get the word out and let more people know about some of the cool stuff going on with Japanese startups. But most of all, thanks for listening. And thank you for letting people interested in Japanese startups and innovation know about the show. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for listening to Disrupting Japan.